Hello and welcome to Enroute Excursions, where you will hear snippets of longer interviews that are 10 minutes or less. Here is your host, Dennis Sanders. The phrase Black Lives Matter has always been a controversial one. Some people think that it it is to the exclusion of, of other people. But what if there is actually a theological reasoning to say Black Lives Matter? I interviewed Drew McIntyre recently. Drew is a pastor of Grace United Methodist in Greensboro, North Carolina. And he was interested in finding out what could be the theological reasoning for saying and living out Black Lives Matter. So let's listen to this snippet from Drew McIntyre. That, that wants to sort of wear the mantle of fighting racism and make that a big part of your identity. And um, to me, in some ways, that's often kind of an obvious, um, I don't know, attempt at platforming themselves. And I, I really don't want to be that. And, and so I was hesitant in some ways about this piece. Um, it's not kind of race, racism, race matters is not something I've often written about, not because I'm not interested. I I try to read very widely and pay attention, but again, just because I feel kind of inadequate talking about it and, you know, having an opinion about it, frankly, in some ways. So I'm grateful for the chance to talk to you about it and just kind of get your thoughts. Um, uh, because again, I, I, I feel like I got something to say, but also I feel like I'm just another white guy saying too much in some ways. <laughs> but, you know, I think that part of it is important. Um, and I can understand the, the the concern about ending up centering yourself in that I don't think that's what's happening here. I think it's actually, in some ways, and I know this word, this word gets used way too much and usually doesn't mean what they people think it means but i do think that this was in some ways prophetic in that it's trying to to speak maybe a difficult word that to help people understand what is the importance of this phrase theologically and that can be i think disconcerting to a lot of people for a lot of reasons um if there are people who've, I think, immediately appropriated the word and just kind of go from there, there's probably a sense that, you know, as I think you wrote, that you're not going far enough. Um, And then there are those that hearing the phrase just kind of raises tackles (laughs) and they just get freaked out and they need to hear this because even if they don't necessarily want to hear it or maybe try not to hear it, but you know, there is an importance of what does this mean? And um, especially about who is the, is, is the gospel for, um, and, and ultimately the gospel is for, for everyone. But I also think that there's a part of it. Um, and I think you use this in the article to borrow kind of from our Catholic sisters and brothers, that there is this whole preferential op- option for the poor, that this sense that 
the marginalized are kind of important in God's eyes. Um, again, not saying that no one else is, but that these people hold some special value. And, you know, I think that that's, that matters. And I think the whole point of, I guess, again, putting Jews in the center of that story of salvation also matters. Um, Cause kind of the whole religion kind of doesn't work if you don't have the Jews in there somewhere. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> it just doesn't really work that well without yeah. them. So, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, Paul's, um, you know, people beat up on Paul. That's a separate podcast, but um, Paul's very, you know, very clear about this, that, um, you know, and this is in the piece that we are a, a wild Gentiles or a wild olive branch, right? We have been graciously included in a story that was not ours, mm-hmm. right? Th- through the work of Christ, the, 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 the blessings and covenant of Israel are, are opened up to us. And when we forget that, it gets very ugly. Um, and I, you know, at the, um, uh, at the, at the risk of, you know, every internet conversation devolving into talking about Nazis, there is historically a connection to Christians forgetting about the Jewishness of Jesus and the Jewishness of Christianity, mm-hmm. um, making possible uh, you know, the final solution. That's a real historical thing. That's not just hyperbole. That's not rhetoric. That's, that's real history. Pretty um, much all you have to do is read the Barman Declaration and that, yeah. that will tell you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so bad stuff happens when um, many bad things happen when Gentiles, uh, Christians forget that the story does not center on us. Um, that we have been invited to a table that, you know, was not ours originally, um, which is a scandal, but it's also true. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the things I remember in my uh, first year in seminary, we um, we had a, a spent basically a Saturday at um, a local um, synagogue mm. and um, met with the rabbi of that congregation and there's something I remember him talking about in um, referencing Isaiah and kind of referencing what a certain passage, how, you know, we would interpret it as usually referencing Christ. Um, and, you know, he was trying to say how they look at it. And he, the thing that I remember him saying is the importance that, um, you know, it's, it, it's fine to, to interpret it that way. Don't, you know, don't not do that, but just remember where this came from mm-hmm. and the importance of where it came from. And that's something that's had stuck with me um, all these years later is that how I'm looking at that. And let's say if I'm looking at a certain part of Isaiah that we think is referencing, talking about Jesus, it's important. I'm, and I'm not going to not look at it that way, but not everyone, the original people who wrote this didn't see it that way. And that's important to know. Yeah, maybe this is some of the wisdom of uh, more liturgical traditions that always include Old Testament and or Psalm readings, you know, in, mm-hmm. in worship. Um, that we, we can't just live in the Gospels and the letters, you know, all the time. Yeah. So what led you to actually kind of take this on? Um, was there certain some event, something 
that you had been seeing that that made you feel like you needed to try to kind of look at what this phrase meant in a theological focus? I think, you know, maybe it was just, I think maybe getting tired of sort of the, the, the typical internet back and forth of black lives matter. And then someone responds, all lives matter, blue lives matter. I think that sort of kind of hackneyed back and forth um, in some ways was annoying to me, but, but also um, I did kind of want to challenge in some ways, both sides in this for the church, because I, I really had not seen any, what I would consider very substantive theological engagement um, with this idea, um, you know, the, the most you'd see that I'd seen anyway is um, sort of a easily imagined kind of liberationist, you know, mm-hmm. view on this, um, which is fine. That's not going to convince everyone. That's going to work well with mainline clergy. It's not going to work great with people in most rural pews. <laughs> um, you know, um, there, there's a, I don't know, it just, it's not enough. And I, and I I think there's just a richer case to be made, and that's what I wanted to um, to, to try to do um, to really think through this theologically. Um, Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, please go to andrewpodcast dot org. Take care.